0: Hi, this is Anya and Alex with Classical Wisdom Speaks, a podcast dedicated to bringing ancient wisdom to modern minds. If you're interested in learning more about the classics, please check out classicalwisdom.com for resources, articles, podcasts, webinars, ebooks, and more. Today, Alex and I are going to be talking about our Monday mailbag question, when to kill a tyrant. Uh, Maybe perhaps, Alex, you can start us off by explaining the question a bit more so people don't think I'm calling for any (laughs) violence at any
1: time. Yes. So uh, the inspiration for our our Monday mailbag a couple of weeks ago was the uh, Ides of March, which is coming up this Sunday. And we were wondering whether our readers agreed with the fact uh, that sometimes it might be okay or permissible to oust a ruler um, who has become tyrannical. And furthermore, when do we determine that a ruler has indeed become tyrannical? And so the question in Julius, uh, in Julius Caesar, in Shakespeare's play, um, that looms over the whole axe is whether Caesar was, whether whether Brutus was right. Uh, in betraying his friend and what the ramifications of that were.
0: Yeah. TLDR is was Brutus a traitor or a Patriot?
1: Yeah. So. and 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 what do you
0: think? Is he, is he traitor Patriot?
1: So what's interesting in the play is that at first, right after killing Caesar, the plebeians come around and they start hailing him as as a hero, they, they want to crown him the new Caesar. They say, Brutus, let's 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 crown all that was good in Caesar in Brutus. Right. And they're very excited about that. Um, but then Brutus allows Mark Antony and Mark Antony to come out and give a speech to the plebeians uh, who he then goes. on, He proceeds to tell them of how much Caesar loved them and everything he left in their inheritance. And by the end of that speech, the plebeians are calling Brutus a traitor, Um and, uh well and a and a and a villain they call him a traitor and a villain and they're ready to kill him and they they and do they indeed go out and find every conspirator and kill them um and so it is kind of ambiguous i now I think wh- how someone answers this question would go about it would depend on when if you believe that sometimes it's worth sacrificing the leader of a country for the sake of the country itself. If sometimes there could be a case where a ruler or a leader uh, though being, you know, bestowed with this great task of of the common good um, has now betrayed that and is no longer fit to rule and there's no other way to depose him. Right. So,
0: well, and and, and of course you think about the, the Jefferson quote here, you know, that the, the tree of Liberty from time to time must be, on the blood of, of tyrants and patriots. And yeah, uh, I guess that's definitely something that we have in part of the whole hyster- uh, historical narrative of America, even. Uh, uh, a revolution yeah. is, is how we get to, to something more pure in a state of government. But I guess the question then, too, is, is they did this in order to save the republic, but then if they're just crowning Brutus, then how is that actually trying to save the republic? I mean, it's just transferring power to somebody else.
1: Yeah. And I, I think one of the things I love most about the play is that, you know, this is written by Shakespeare, you know, a couple hundred years before the American Revolution, but the same exact thing happens there, right? And and, and this, it, there's a lot of parallels, right? So George Washington gets the chance to become king, right? The people are, they love him so much, they're willing to grant him exactly what they were fighting against, right? They're willing to start a new monarchy here in, in the U.S., Um and of course, George Washington declines that. And, you know, now we have the tradition of presidencies that we have now. Um, but in Shakespeare, I mean, you know, hundreds of years before this, when the plebeians gather around Brutus and they say, let's make him Caesar. And, and it was I, I kind of consider that moment like the tragedy of revolutions. Um, Albert Camus once described the, the irony of revolutions he goes, is that is their name. It's a complete circle. It's a revolution. And that uh, you end up right where you began yeah, um, you want
0: to tell people we need an evolution, not a revolution. yeah.
1: well, and what ends up happening is you kill one Caesar and the people want another one. And, you know, Brutus again declines that. Um, but you're it's tragic still in the sense that they do end up that, you know, the death of of Caesar is the beginning of the Roman Empire. Um, uh, just to say also
0: sure. yeah, just to say also it's funny that, um with George Washington, you mentioned that, uh, Actually, part of his inspiration to give up power was from the Roman general Cincinnatus. Oh, uh, and then he was inspired—you know—the whole story about how they they needed a king uh, or like a leader just temporarily in order to like fight off the bad guys type thing. And so yeah. he takes up the the reluctant the reluctant general. You know, puts down the plow in his field and goes off and saves the day. And then they want to make him king, and he's like, "No, no, I've I've done. I've give up my." By power, and that
1: yeah.
0: the sort of the mythological—not mythological—but the, the the archetype of the the leader who's willing to give up power, like how powerful yeah. that image is, and George Washington actually purposely tried to, emulate uh, that. yeah, emulate that and and make it part of his own image. Yeah. So it, it, just to talk about cycles again then.
1: <laughs> yeah no and and i think uh, not not to allow for you know too much mission creep here and, and two different questions but the question also about you know what what makes a good leader and and you know do, do you need to be a good person to be a good leader i think definitely one mark of that and something that caesar was lacking was that reluctance to be in power right um so one thing that they uh went at right after they kill caesar I think it's Brutus or Cassius says ambition's debt has been paid. And throughout the discussions leading up to deciding to kill him, their main the recurring theme is ambition. They keep saying Caesar's too ambitious, he'll want to take power, he'll want to hold on to it, he won't be reluctant to take it. Um, and so yeah, I think that plays in right there. And I, I think what if if I do look at Brutus as a good guy, it's only in that if he was right to make that judgment of Caesar then he probably was right to betray him um, due to the...
0: Yeah, I'd like to take this moment um, because this is a a new program to just explain very quickly that uh, we have every Monday something called a Monday mailbag. And these are the questions that we pose during the Monday mailbag. So this is when to to kill a tyrant was uh, the previous mailbag's question. And so we do have some responses from our readers that um, I think kind of further what you're saying, Alex, I think we should should read out uh, as well so that people can can get some other sites just just not just from us. Uh, One of which I thought you were saying whether um, Brutus was right uh, comes from Gavin. And he said Brutus was undoubtedly right. Look at what the fate of the Empire was compared to the Republic you can enjoy a score of enlightened despots, but one Caligula ruins everything. Mm. As for timing, knowing when to kill a tyrant, the moment is when you realize what he is. So uh, that kind of adds to that, the thought that, that he was right to do so.
1: Yeah. I I think I agree with that. I, I, I think I'm inclined to agree with Gavin and with people who sympathize with Brutus. Um, I think there's obviously something tragic about Brutus in that he did love Caesar um, as a friend. Uh, And I I believe when he finally is forced to commit suicide with the armies of Octavian and Mark Antony closing in on him, um, you know, he, I I believe he, the last name he mentions is Caesar, like something along the lines of, you know, now I go to meet you again. Um, But when he makes that decision and when he's explaining to the plebeians why he did it, he does say, Um, it's not that I love Caesar less, but that I loved Rome more. Um, And I think that's where this, you know, love of country versus um, obligation towards your your leader or your ruler uh, comes into tension, especially when that ruler is now no no longer looking out for the common good. And so the question goes even deeper as to when when the common good is at stake. Um,
0: Yeah, and and I think
1: that's,
0: that's an excellent point because, you know, we also have to go the, the next step of asking, was Caesar a tyrant in the first yeah. place? I mean, obviously, history has written, yes, he is, because these actions, I mean, are, are meant to vindicate. Their, I mean, we, we have decided what history is because of what has happened, sort of thing. Um, but I, I'd like to actually read another reader's response, Charles, because, and this one's a bit longer, so uh, bear with me for a moment, because there's sure. a really, really excellent point in it that I think comes back to what you just said about regarding the the state versus personal interactions. So Charles writes, "Uh, hi, Anya, the the discussion is skewed because it assumes that Caesar was a tyrant. Was Lincoln? By the standards you use on Julius, the answer is yes. How about MacArthur in the Philippines? There's no proof that Caesar was a tyrant. His men supported him and crossed the Tiber, we should say Rubicon, armed in unison, not for him, but for the glory and protection of Rome against eternal and internal enemies, and that they were more than justified in doing so. Their failure to remove the deep state ended the Roman Republic and all hope for Republican values. The second problem is, did Brutus, the bastard son of Julius, want to restore the Republic or simply remove Caesar from play? All his co-conspirators wanted the latter. None sought to restore or even preserve the remnants of the republic. Since these truths are historical fact, then there was no killing of a tyrant. Instead, the murder of a man, not unlike what was done to John Kennedy. Now, there's a lot of stuff in that to discuss and break oh. apart. But I just wanted to do this next one because I thought this was a really excellent point. Though Nuremberg stated that putting the state above moral, personal morals, i.e., just following orders in no way avoids personal liability. Uh, and so the last question is moot because none of Caesar's assassins were in any way interested in preserving the Republic and that their untimely demise had nothing to do with bringing down anything except their greed and avarice. Now, there's a lot of stuff to back to yeah. on this but I thought the Nuremberg one was an interesting point because uh, just because the state tells you so, just because it's in the interest of the state doesn't necessarily mean it's right. Mm-hmm. Because the state isn't necessarily right, so you know, it, it, if if he, if Caesar had been Hitler, you you know, you might say that's great. But if you, you, I mean, you understand my my point that just because it, it it's in the interest of of the big government doesn't necessarily mean that is actually a moral good.
1: Yeah, I think the ambiguity between the common good and the state has been uh, so blurred in modern times with the rise of the nation state, right? Because, you know, the nation is the people, you have government by, for, and of the people. Uh, and so it seemed, you know, our, our you know, uh, and especially with the rise of populism um, in the early 20th century, right? With the leaders like, I, I am you, I am the people, I, I'm here for you, I'm fighting on your behalf. And so if, if that's true, right? If the leader, if, you, if that's how you view a leader, then it would seem that whatever that ruler wants is what it's probably best for you and so those lines become really blurred whereas at least <clears throat> in caesar's or in the time of the of roman emperors you can see where there's not that connection or at least there's no presupposition of that connection even if they've said that themselves right so when mark Antony's reading on caesar's will caesar has left behind all these riches and parks and and, and public projects for the people uh, but there was obviously no the reason that scene is so great is because there's no presupposition that a leader should be like that um and uh to go to the the question before that i think that's um you the the uh what, what was the reader's um answer the response before the one about uh, that good, was
0: was a, caesar a tyrant yeah
1: that, yeah right in the first place and so <clears throat> that also gets hashed out i obviously i think in the play I think Shakespeare has the mission here of trying to portray Brutus as a good. I, th- I think that's the, the, the route he goes with Brutus, but there is clearly this nuance there when they're debating it because Caesar actually hasn't done anything yet when they decide to kill him. Their only uh, pretense for doing this is that he seems to be ambitious. They're like, well, with all these victories that he's had in war and stuff, why wouldn't he just want to take the throne and who would we be, be this, who, who, how would we stop him then with all the support he has from the military and from the people? Um, and so there is that the, it almost becomes uh, ironic because the very ambition they're trying to cur- curtail as the, as the, uh, as one of our readers pointed out could be also their own ambition coming into play. Right. So it's, Although it's not hinted at, perhaps certainly Cassius seems to want um, to take Caesar's place. Perhaps Brutus did too. Um, and so they portray him as being, uh, portray Caesar as the bad guy, take him out, and then you have a, a power vacuum.
0: Yeah, and, and just to add in another reader mail um, that is exactly spot on with this was from Jess, and he goes, As often happens when a leader is succeeded, a worse tyrant emerges. Augustus became an emperor and Rome descended from a republic to an empire. The act of the unintended patriot turned out to be a traitorous act. So often, unintended consequences are unfortunate and well-intended ones turn out bitter. I mean, we don't know what basically Julius Caesar was going to do. So doing something in advance is obviously unwise, but I guess... We look at that now with our hindsight and be like, well, he hadn't really done anything yet. Uh, I mean, I, I wonder if at that time he had already surpassed so many cultural expectations that are maybe more nuanced that we can't appreciate as much.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I mean, the the one right right before they kill him, the thing that finally commits them to going through with the plan is that uh i forget the name of the character who is pleading with julius to allow his uh brother amnesty to return to rome and caesar won't even hear him out and i i believe he threatens him by saying if you keep bringing it up i'll send you out too and that's when the senators are like okay we're right about him he's un." they say that his, his will is unmovable And that's also for them a very dangerous sign, right? So this ambition matched with someone who won't hear other people out and listen to other people, um, whose will isn't amenable to what others are saying to them, that, that's also a sign of danger for them that he is, you know, past the point of no return. And, but you're right. There is this, we don't know how Caesar would have turned out or, and as the, the reader pointed out as well, as Sam pointed out, uh, I mean, Jess, um, that, uh, and the act of killing Caesar himself led to the very thing that they feared, which was the, the dissolution of, of the Republic and the beginning of the empire.
0: So what are you supposed to do if tyranny reigns? Uh, you know, if you're worried that that is the situation, um, but assassination is only going to make it worse, surely, because it martyrizes the, that's the verb, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> makes martyr <laughs> <out> of, <laughs> Out of the character. I mean, uh, you look, we look at Lincoln, you know, he's here's maybe a few people um, made a parallel to, to Lincoln. And actually, it, it was another ca- uh, reader put in, um, Mizaman, actually, that some of the last words that John Wilkes Booth evoked beforehand uh, was, you know, thus always to the, to the tyrants, six emperor tyrannus. Um, which he said is a modified phrase of Six Semper Evello Mortum Tyrannus. Uh, so, I mean, nobody in our history thinks of John Wilkes Booth in the way that they do Brutus. And I wonder if part of that is that they weren't friends. I mean, in a way, Brutus seems more evil because he's killing a friend. Uh, but then you might think that he then felt his duty was such a more personal harder undertaking because he had to overcome the fact that he was murdering a friend
1: yeah and I think uh the, the parallels with John Wilkes Booth go further because I believe from what I've read he used to love playing uh as Brutus when he would because he was a he was a theatrical actor and he used to love playing as Brutus when they would do Shakespeare and for him that was his idol but you're right to say too that we yeah we don't um, mourn for the death of C- uh, of Caesar, like we do that of Lincoln, um, and I think on the surface it's for obvious reasons, but perhaps not not so much, right? Um, neither had done anything at the moment to warrant their assassinations. Perhaps that could be argued. Um, Lincoln's obviously the more uh, humble of the two, and I think that's what makes his death so tragic. Uh, keeping the union together. Um, the fact that he was such a mild uh, and meek uh, individual, despite his like, you know, he was a super tall uh, figure. He had this very like humble and meek attitude about him. Um, he didn't seem the he didn't seem the Caesar type, right? the the The, the, the depictions we have of Caesar sh- seem to indicate a very ambitious man who seemed to give at least the people around him that suspicion that he might uh, want more than what he had. Uh, and in a way that could threaten the republic. But this question looms whether a suspicion is enough to justify taking action like they did. Um, And it's not clear.
0: It's interesting that you say that that the personality of the leader makes such a difference. uh, Because you didn't mention what the actions were. So obviously, for some people, the the Civil War was the bloodiest, you know, deaths of Americans in history of American history, and that, um, that it wasn't whether even the war was legal in the first place, what the actions were with regards to the South and the North and state versus larger government, whether it was moral to have a Civil War in the first place. The first thing you went to was his personality. Yeah, uh, which um, which I think is really fascinating because I wonder if part of how we define a tyrant isn't necessarily their actions, but but their personality.
1: I think there's definitely something to that. Um, you know, a, a a tyrant isn't just someone who has broken with custom of what's expected of them, but also done so in a way or in some type of character that indicates. Doing so for the wrong reasons. Right. So I, I believe Lincoln also did things that, as as um, one of the responders pointed out, would have made him like a Caesar. Right. So I think he suspended habeas corpus, uh, which suspends any right to criticize uh, without being in prison, something along those lines. Right. And he suspended that. So people who were criticizing the the, the union's cause could be thrown in jail without any type of explanation or um, due process And, you know, that was Lincoln. That was this guy who we have a huge, almost temple-like, you know, artifice in in D.C. Um, But it seems, and the reason I guess I bring character into it is, he didn't seem like the type of person who did that for the wrong reasons, right? He did that with good intentions in mind. Whereas it seemed like the thing Caesar was doing was from some type of bad will or ill will uh, towards others for his own personal gain. Um,
0: but just to say, you know that that's a very good point, and that. But we also have to question our own biases because mm. whether we really know the minds of Lincoln or or Caesar, whether we know whether their motivations were pure or not, obviously is much more difficult to say. And uh, I'm sure right now there's like specific historians on on both these men that are willing to point to to proof one way or the other, and and I would love to. To hear both of those, those insights, um, but at the same time, we are living in a time period now where Lincoln is still our hero. You know, he's still spoken about with high praise in the history books. Um, in In our time period, he is considered good. And when Caesar was murdered, he was a very popular person. I mean, yeah. the, the people did mourn his death. Um, they did. Go against the conspirators. Uh, so it. Why now? You know, with enough time period later, are we maybe more nuanced of the motivations of Caesar? Maybe, in a comparable time period after Caesar's death, people would have still, you know, during the time period of of the empire, seen him as a as an iconic and and wonderful figure, that was unjustly murdered.
1: Yeah. No, that's an interesting point. Especially reflecting on it more, we are, you know, those of us in the US were living in the country that Lincoln helped keep together, not the, you know, had he had the Union lost the war, there would be a, a significant portion of the US, namely the South, that would not have temples to him or think of him that way, right? For 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 people who lived in Georgia who had their, you know, houses burned down and cities raised to the ground by, uh, you know, Sherman's March uh, would not think of Lincoln in the way that I described him for sure. And that's definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, and and that's also, that also makes the topic even more difficult to handle because someone can be a traitor to only one group of people and not to others. Oh,
0: uh, completely. And that
1: makes it very difficult to answer, right? Because Brutus was certainly, a, and you can be, a hero for one second. And I mean, Brutus within uh, uh, what seems in the play to be like a 20 minute speech goes from being a hero to a traitor. Um, And I that's as true then as it was now as it is now. Um, Uh, Yeah,
0: even to give like a more modern example. um, I used to live in Taiwan for a while. And I remember when I would meet people Some people would talk about Chiang Kai-shek as this like amazing character and uh, person and other people like, you know, with 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 hatred and I wasn't as familiar of the history before I got there. And and of course, learning that Chiang Kai-shek came to the small island and there was a population beforehand um, and that population was sort of taken over by this huge army coming from China. And, you know, to this day in Taiwan, you basically can find out who is a descendant of Chiang Kai-shek and his armies and who wasn't. Because you say, how do do you view this one character? And it's like exact opposite views on the same person. Um, And and I remember, too, you know, going and seeing Lenin's body in in Moscow. And there was still huge cues to see this sort of eggplant-faced, embalmed... (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, it was quite terrifying to see. Yeah. People had so much respect. I mean, really, it was a, it was a big deal. And I, and what I love about these realizations is that you do have to look at your own history with more critical eye to be honest about it. if I mean if your your goal is to find out, you know, what is the truth in history, and I think that is always a, a noble goal. Uh, it does take a lot of hard work to try to be critical on your own history and cultures, as you would be. on others.
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, and and to do so while it's happening is even the most difficult part. To try to see the present from a historical lens, how will we? Be, how will these actions be remembered? How will these people be remembered that I that I might praise or might dislike right now? And it makes it very difficult and. Uh, John Locke, in his discussion of tyranny uh, towards the end of his um, second treatise on government, uh, I mean, he reserves uh, the, you know, uh, he reserves revolution for very, um, you know, exceptional moments. Uh, and he calls it uh, that if there's no other recourse, there's no other measure that can be taken to um you know, alter the will of, of, of the ruling government or ruling leader, or whoever, uh, then he calls it an appeal, an appeal to heaven can then be made, right? So he sees this as something that you need to rely on God for to know that you're even right uh, in doing. Uh, and, and, and also, I think even though some people were concerned at, at, during his day, whether that granted too much um, leeway for people to say, okay, well, you know, it's time to get rid of this guy, uh, I think it also, in, in him calling it an appeal to heaven shows how, what a great undertaking that is, that you have to make such an appeal um, to even think that you might be might, might be in the right course of action. Um, and,
0: and to bring it back a little bit to the classics, it's funny you saying this because it's quite the opposite of, say, somebody like Plato, who felt that all democracies would eventually end in tyranny, uh, and he himself... You know, left a democracy in Athens to go live in Syracuse, which was living under a, a tyranny. So, um, it it is interesting too, and uh, to to question, even if tyranny is necessarily a bad thing. I mean, because that isn't hasn't always been the case. I mean, the ancients didn't always think tyranny was bad. And um, just to bring it to another uh, reader. Uh, I thought this was a very interesting one. I I didn't see it coming, really. Uh, It starts off um, from a fellow saying, my name is Vio and I'm from Romania, where I've lived ever since I was born in 1959, and then I moved to Germany. Uh, And and then he said, is a tyrant always bad for the collective? It depends maybe on who is asked about it. A Greek Mm -hmm. citizen from Corinth in the time of uh, Calypso, a tyrant who fought for some other families for power, who based his force on force to keep people obedient, but introduced reforms to make it a better and more equal society, might say something different. And what about Polycrates and uh, Pisisatris, apologies if I'm not pronouncing (laughs) it. If if tyranny is done by an intelligent and socially advancing person, who wants more social economic justice for his collective? Is it tolerable? which is, of course, a very interesting thing for a Romanian to say. Uh, and, and he goes on just to, to say that um, today, tyrants like Hitler, Stalin, and again, I'm not going to pronounce his name correctly. <laughs> yeah. just, so, in Romania all began with what is called good intentions, seemingly a better life for the citizens, a kind of more social justice. And their tyranny ended in madness and a bloodbath. So Caesar was popular at first and when he fought and lived simply among the people. And then, I mean, our our Romanian reader goes on to, to talk specifically about the grandeur that Caesar came to. And, and maybe this brings it full circle to your point about Lincoln being humble, uh, whereas Caesar, you know, starts starts, you know, hooking up with Cleopatra and yeah. coming to be a bit more grand and fancy. And that, that the second that he got too fancy, that humbleness um, taken away and ends, that's, that's when people are no longer like their leader. Yeah. Be a ty- tyrannical.
1: Yeah. And I, I think there's, there's actually so much packed in there because um, again, I, I feel like the, there's a slight difference Um, between how you how we judge these leaders uh, from the ancient world right where a lot of their a lot of their praise and a lot of their stature came from how great of military leaders they were Um, whereas the tyrants that we judge um, in the 20th century um, when we do talk about their uh, whatever good they might have done right so when people talk about someone um as terrible as hitler they'll still sometimes bring up the audubon system right he, 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 this huge public works project so many jobs it boosted their economy and so when we talk about uh, modern leaders the f- focus is much more on these on how they uh, as the reader pointed out how they help the common good or the you know some type of there was some type of social benefit to their tyranny um which i think puts it in a different lens because again now if there's this um you know, conjoining of the common good with this one individual, it makes it a lot more difficult to see uh, when someone can become a tyrant if they just, by their very nature, just manifest the common good in themselves. Um, Because I think one of the points of being a tyrant is that you've now diverted from the common good. And if our conception of a leader is that, well, they just, that's just what they care about is the well-being of the nation state, well, then it can't. It doesn't seem clear to me how, at any point, someone who thinks that could then think that um, they've become a tyrant, and that makes it difficult. And there's this really interesting dynamic um, in the U.S., you know, where you know a big name in the game is you know patriotism and love of country, um, but it's really interesting how it gets paired, where, where that that fervor gets paired with um, an almost unquestioning type loyalty to the government itself where it's seen that they they, that's where our best interest lies and i think that definitely makes this dynamic a lot a lot more difficult to sort out in modern times whereas it might have seemed very clear for brutus or for cassius that okay this person no longer is interested in uh in ruling the way that he ought to and now it's time for them to go um and so yeah it, it definitely makes it difficult for us modern readers to to give a clear answer to it especially um, for the very fact like I point out Brutus does say it's not that I love Caesar less but that I love Rome more I did it for you um, and that's a hard sentiment to argue against
0: well it's uh, lots to think about and I uh, <laughs> think uh, we should we should probably wrap up with saying happy Ides of March to everybody and I believe Alex today is actually your birthday when this comes out so happy, yes. happy birthday in advance uh, thank you for- for your own auspicious, <laughs> hopefully more auspicious than inauspicious, uh, inauspicious birthdays. Yes. Uh, I want to thank everybody for for listening to Classical Wisdom Speaks. We will be continuing our Monday mailbag questions. I think next week we should discuss should we panic. And uh, if you're interested in contributing to the podcast and to the You can become a Classical Wisdom member. You can sign up for our free newsletter, Classical Wisdom Weekly, and you can uh, follow along and learn along with the classics. So thank you again for listening, and thank you, Alex, for speaking with me.